Hello, I'm Elle, and welcome to the Parks and Restoration Audiobook Podcast. Now, for all those of you who are confused by that, let me just preface by saying, this podcast is intended to be an audiobook. But by doing it in the format of a podcast, it is easiest for our cast, and will be continued to do it as such. But let it be known that we are reading from a script. I'd like to give a quick thank you for all of those who support and follow us on our Instagram page, Parks and Restoration. A selfless plug, but please go follow. Thank you. I'd also like to preface this audiobook by saying, NBC, please do not sue me. I do not intend to infringe on any copyright. NBC owns all the rights to every Parks and Rec episode, and I am just doing this for fun, so once again, please, NBC, don't sue me. I really would like to go to college. I'd also like to give a quick thank you for everyone that has lent their voice to help with this project. Now, without further ado, please enjoy the first episode of our podcast, Homecoming. Leslie Nope was many, many things. A wonderful mom, a hardworking employee, an inspiring feminist, an intense boss she preferred passionate, a woman of action, a goal-getter. But above all, no matter how many words could be used to describe her, good or bad, chill was not in the repertoire. Leslie paced the width of her office, her eyes occasionally glancing towards the window directly behind her to see Greg yelling his head off about God knows what into his phone. But other than that, the courtyard was barren. The window was cracked open slightly, mainly because the sweet smell of Pawnee air, granted from the Sweetums factory air pollution, was a nice change to the humid weather she was used to back in DC. Despite him being a congressman, Leslie and Ben had found themselves primarily back in Pawnee due to her election. Never a forethought of the big move was where their politics would take place, thinking that the most obvious solution was to conduct from their house as a sort of political home base. Because of their ever-going triplets and all their own personal agendas, as well as their home setup being short of professional, they found themselves back at City Hall where their story began in the first place. This time, however, in the mercy of Craig, as he never seemed to leave and found himself in the position of city manager. Naturally, he was, also, happy to lend the once again abandoned first floor to Leslie and her associates. Once the news had spread that Leslie was running for governor, the United Individuals nonprofit had full-heartedly put their group support in Leslie. After all, she had provided a considerable sum of finances and jobs into their organization. With Leslie's influence, thinking that the United Individuals helping at-risk youth and clueless adults find meaningful jobs would help with the campaign, April found herself the new CEO of the Middle American branch of the nonprofit. Andy, a part-time stay-at-home dad to his darling son, had returned to school. The epiphany had hit him when his son was first born, thanks to Donna's husband, Joe, that the perfect career was under him the whole time, being a primary school teacher. That thought alone put a smile on Leslie's face, temporarily distracting her from the madness of her mind. But the rattle of the door to the room hit the wall with a bang, followed by the door's wood tearing in half, knocking her right back into chaos. Ben's eyes widened as he looked in the camera before Leslie again. Sorry about that. It's fine, I'll call Ron. She was quick to dismiss. Ron, while now a park ranger, and though he would never admit it, a federal government employee, had even found a way to integrate his time into Leslie as well. Pawnee, never changing, still had an infestation problem. That fact alone was enough to explain that eaten furniture and walls, courtesy of the ants, termites, raccoons, and wild dog population that all seemed to fight over the arid land at the unused office. Anyway, what's up? Well, I have good news, but I also need you to not freak out about the bad news. Leslie stopped her movement terror washing over her face. Freak out? Why would I freak out? She let out a long, aspirated sigh, her hands frantically grasping around her desk as if she was trying to stabilize herself. Oh my god, oh my god, my mom is dying, isn't she? What? No, I- Oh my god, you're dying? No. The kids? No, hun, the kids are fine. He looked around the office as if he was thinking. But they are with Andy and April, though, so that might actually be a possibility. Leslie aggressively exhaled, and for a split second, Ben thought she might actually faint. Oh my god, Ben, I'm dying? No, Leslie, no one is dying. Ben waved his hand to dismiss her tantrum as he made his way deeper into her office. It's AJ's, isn't it? Are they going out of business? Oh god, that's so much worse! No, Leslie, 
Wait, you think JJ's going out of business is worse than me and you and our kids dying? Well, yeah! Her stare intensified as she looked at Ben, her panic slowly dying down. Life without waffles is not a life to live. Ben looked at the camera, shaking his head to reorganize his thoughts. Okay, well, the good news is you're up two points in the polls, but you're tied for first place with another candidate from Bloomington. Okay. Leslie tightened her grip on the office chair she held for support, wincing. The bad news? Gary just called. They don't think they can get the giant inflatable unicorn for Anne's partying time, and I know how important that was to you. Before Leslie could express her thoughts on the matter, Han slammed against the window, forcing the two to turn around, only to find Greg with his face squished against the glass. What? That's crazy talk! How could anyone throw a party without that? That's pathetic, that's shameful, and above all, it's plain wrong! What's plain wrong? Anne knocked on the destroyed and already open door, her head peeking in. Oh, the only person in the world that can make me feel better is here! Leslie immediately made her way to her ethically unknown friend, diving into her arms for comfort, while Ben stood to the side, flashing a deadpan look in the camera before shaking his head to dismiss what his wife had been doing since the start of their relationship. Anne, I am the worst friend in the entire world. I couldn't get everything for your home morning party in time. I knew I should have just started planning it a year ago. The blonde shook her head disappointingly. Shouldn't let me get whipped cream on my waffles at JJ's. Anne gave Leslie a strange look, opening her mouth to speak, only to get interrupted by Leslie as she pushed herself off of her. Insane, Anne. I can't believe you would even suggest that. Okay, someone needs to take a break. Anne looked towards Ben. How many hours of sleep is she running on? Four? Two. Leslie corrected. Okay, wow. We're gonna need a lot more coffee than I thought, because if you don't give me your wholehearted opinion on the most recent lip sync for your life, I am going to be very upset. Leslie wrapped her arms around Anne again. Let's do so much! Those eight-hour FaceTime calls every day really can't capture your beauty. The sweet moment turned awkward quickly, however. Leslie? Anne tried, tapping the blonde shoulder in an attempt of liberation. Yes? You're suffocating me here. Leslie finally pulled the two apart. Sorry, I just need to make up for like ten more years of hugs. Anne smiled at that, putting her arms around Leslie as the two made their way to JJ's diner. Oh, Anne? Yes? You can fit a thousand billions in your house, right? Anne stopped momentarily, her eyebrows growing together. What? Meanwhile, in the old Eagleton district of Bonnie, Damn, girl. Tom gave a wide smile at the steps of Donna's new home, holding a bottle of champagne as the huge glass doors adorned with massive lion head door knockers swung open, reveling an equally excited Donna. Pretty sweet, right? Hells yeah, baby. Now, you ready to go? Yeah, let me just go get my coat real fast. With that, Tom followed her into her house. Donna and Joe had gotten the idea to move back to Pawnee due to an inheritance of Donna's family mansion, and the promise of two new jobs running two entirely different charities was enough to get the two back in Indiana. Why did you never tell me about your loaded family? I would have let you pick up a lot more tabs when we went out to eat. We keep it on the down low. Donna dismissed. This house was my great aunt's before she died, and I was the first to claim it, so it's mine. The other family members ended up with the houses in Malaysia, the Philippines, Oregon, Egypt, and Germany, so it was chill. Damn. Mad respect. He held up the liquor bottle as a motion of his appreciation, only to get it swiped out of his hands by a quick, timid-looking girl in a maid's outfit. Oh, that's Olga. Ignore her. Donna waved her maid off, walking into the huge living room, her TV the size of that in a movie theater. Tom looked into the camera, his eyes lighting up as his mouth dangled open. Andy and April's house wasn't quite as large, but definitely more chaotic. Andy! Babe! We need to go! Leslie might actually kill us for late to another one of her stupid parties. I think she tried to take me when she picked up the triplets. April made her way around the hallway, her hand reaching up to smooth over her messy hair. Is the monster ready? There was no response as April slowly made her way down the wooden steps, 
her feet hitting the carpet as she repeated, Andy? Andy himself paced the width of the kitchen floor, his feet dragging more and more with each step. He watched cautiously as his wife entered the kitchen. The faintest smile painted across her lips as she buttoned the collar of her shirt all the way up, stopping in front of her husband. Is Jack ready? See, about that, I, um, can't find him anywhere. Andy! She stared at him, almost dumbfounded. Again? Seriously, dude, this is like the third time this week. Yeah, I know. I'm so sorry. I- April waved her hand, cutting him off. Well, I guess if we can't find him, then we'll just have to adopt a new kid. What do you think about adopting a baby vampire? Her eyes narrowed, intrigued in the thought. Andy's mouth dropped open as if he was about to continue his speech when the tiniest giggle erupted behind the two. April moved her eyes slightly, as if telling Andy that Jack was in on the joke. A smile cracking on her own lips as she heard Jack jump up from around the corner where the living room at the kitchen with a thump as his tiny feet hit the ground. Super spy Jack Jack got us again, babe. Andy immediately made his way towards his son, leaning down to the smiling boy's level. If you keep this up, bud, you might be better than Burt Macklin, and he's the best the FBI's ever had. The little boy giggled at this, his curly hair bouncing. Did I scare you, mommy? Uh, yes. Dad and I definitely thought we lost you, monster. She skipped the two-year-old into her arms to the best of her ability, kissing his tiny pink cheeks as she lightly tapped her fingers against his belly, getting more laughter in response. We can be super spies later, though, my love. Seeing his expression dim, April tapped her fingers against Jack's plaid shirt once more. But for right now, are you ready to go see Crazy Aunt Leslie? We can go play more tricks on Uncle Ben. He loves it when you throw all of his ties in the garbage disposal. She rested her head atop her son's. Auntie Leslie! He cheered back. And he came up from behind the two, taking Jack into his own arms with a single scoop. Babe, you know you're not supposed to hold Jack. You'll squish the baby. And he carefully rested his hands on April's bulging stomach. April frowned slightly, her hands running up to rub against Jack's arms. Maybe baby demon spawn will be a goblin. Or a hobbit. Oh, honey, that could be cool, but um, where would we even find a preschool for goblins? I don't know. Florida? April refocused her attention on Jack again, tossing a silly face as he rested in Andy's arms. Before we go... What do I always say we do when we go to Anne's house, monster? Destroy old lady's things. April's eyes teared up slightly. Andy himself came to a complete halt as the two prepared to walk through the door, seeing April's distress. Oh no. Why are you crying? I'm just so... April took a moment to wipe the tears that silently made their way down her cheeks. So proud of him. Across the room, Gary had finally made it out of his corner. Hi, Jack. Gary waved. This made the slightly shy boy cower behind his mother. April herself frowned slightly as she went to fix his hair, more out of comfort than appearance. Since Jack was born, April mostly saw the Andy in him, from his nose to the way his lips curled when he smiled, but his social behavior definitely took after her, which she didn't seem too fond of. Really, honestly, good job, April. And Jack is just so dashing, and you're such a beautiful mother. April's nose scrunched upward. Ew, gross, Gary. Don't compliment me, or I'm gonna have to bathe in pig's blood to get your grossness off of me. Jack, sensing April's distress, popped his head out from behind her leg. No, Harry! This immediately brought a smile to April's face as she chuckled. Yeah, no, Harry. Ha ha, you're Harry now. Yeah, Harry, go make yourself useful and give me one of those little shrimpies. Tom threw his dish at the mare before walking away in Leslie's direction. Hello, Leslie. Blonde flinched as the unmistakable voice of what perhaps was the blonde's least favorite Pawnee citizen rang behind her. Orin. She turned around. Her eyes narrowed and almost seemed to be disgust to see the pale, almost ghost-like boy in a giant fat baby costume. What have you been up to other than killing small puppies, I assume? I'm running a flower business. He extended his arm out towards the bouquet of colorfully arranged flowers on a table next to the stack of gifts. Oh. Leslie allowed herself to dissolve her tenseness, her lips pursing down as if she was almost impressed. Those are actually quite lovely.
Yes, we grow the flowers from the ashes of the recently deceased. Leslie sighed, her finger wagging towards the creepy man. Yep, there it is. As Leslie turned around to talk to literally anyone else that was at Anne's house, all three of her kids, as well as the Perkins Traegers, ran in front of her, yelling and whooping as they played tag. Leslie Perkins Traeger, or Leah for short, had seemed to be the target as she was ahead of everyone, running for what seemed to be her life when all of a sudden she ran into a planted pot, making her fall onto the ground, the rest of the kids now too distracted by tagging Wesley to care. April had been sitting on the couch next to the incident, being that she was nine months pregnant, tired, and had a pretty good view of her son, who calmly played with his dinosaur toys on the carpet in front of her. She wasn't too sure where in the house her husband was, but she could hear the details of his conversation with Chris as he said, This gluten-free vegan sandwich is literally the greatest thing I've ever eaten, except for a rich kale and cheese seed smoothie, of course. Figuring she was the only one that saw it, she stood up. Hey, Leah, are you okay? The little girl simply shook her head, her sifling a telltale sign that she wasn't. Come on. She helped Leah stand up, wincing herself as she watched the little brunette's face scrunch up in pain. Slowly, April helped the little girl over to the bathroom, sitting around the sink's counter to the best of her ability. April opened the medicine cabinet to the left of Leah, the willpower of her seemingly under a test as she refused her desire to go through Anne's things. When I was younger, my sister Natalie pushed me into a rose bush. April looked into Leah's wet and unsure eyes, unscrewing the lid of some sort of ointment Anne had in her cabinet. Yeah, it wasn't fun. I had thorns everywhere, and when you took them out, they all bled. I looked like someone went crazy with a voodoo doll. A small but not disappointing laugh rose from Leah. That enough had made April smile herself. She then carefully applied a small amount of the medicine to the cut. You know, April tore the plaster open with her teeth, applying it to the scrape. Maybe if you plant this in your garden, you'll grow a zombie tree. Wow, really? You think so, Auntie April? There's only one way to find out. She helped lower Leah to the ground. And make sure you show your bloody need to Uncle Tom, okay? He loves blood, especially when you get it on all of his clothes. And if he screams, it screams joy. Cool. Thanks, Auntie April. Just like that, Leah was already running off, probably interested in the fact of playing with her cousins again. She didn't make it far, however. As she left the bathroom, she yelled up, Hi, Mom. Bye, Mom. Before the sound of her running feet could no longer be heard. April mentally prepared herself, a slight eye roll as she looked up. Oh, hi. I didn't know Leslie hired a prostitute for my party. Anne herself dry laughed as she leaned against her bathroom wall. Ha ha ha, very funny, April. The two shared the same awkward silence as April cleaned up after herself, making eye contact with Anne only through stolen glances, courtesy of the mirror. You're pretty good at that, she tried to compliment. Well, Andy gets hurt a lot, and I have a curious and clumsy two-year-old. Not that it's any of your business, Silas. April scowled back. Look, April, I just wanted to say thank you. For what? Throwing away all your ugly clothes? No, for helping Leah. Anne paused for a moment, her head tilting slightly. Wait, you didn't actually throw away all my clothes, right? A smile cracked in April's lips as she shut the medicine cabinet. It wasn't a big deal. I mean, Leah's cool, I guess. Which is totally weird considering she's related to you. Listen, can I show you something? Anne stood up straight, heading in the direction of the bathroom door. April herself hesitated slightly. Okay, fine, but if you lock me up in your dungeon and keep me as your elf, I'm gonna be upset. Anne took the pregnant girl halfway across her house, not a single step without a complaint before the two made it to Anne's bedroom. Ew, you're not gonna try some weird sex thing, right? No, April, can you just shut up for one second? Anne shook her head, momentarily leaving April alone as she ventured into her closet, coming back with a small blue bag. I was going to give this to you next week, but right now seems like a good time. Anne put the bag in April's lap, sitting down beside her pregnant friend. April cautiously opened the bag. Inside, the baby name book she had given Anne so many years prior. April's eyes teared up slightly as she leaned in for a hug. Thank you. Around five minutes later, Leslie made her way into Anne's bedroom, trying to find her best friend and complain about Ron, who had already eaten all the meat at the party, when she stumbled upon the two sitting on the bed, leafing through the pages.
What about Daphne? Mmm, maybe. I think I'd have to use the middle name Lucifer, though. Okay, moving on. Anne flipped the page, her finger landing on a name. Landon? April's nose scrunched up. Ew, no! Besides her wedding, the birth of her three perfect children, and that one time Joe Biden had complimented her pantsuit, at that moment, standing at her accidental party with her dearest park friends, er, family, was the happiest moment in Leslie's life.